After almost a year in the making, the first phase of negotiations under the U.S.-Taiwan Initiative on 21st Century Trade has wrapped up. The first agreement features 81 articles in five key areas, including customers and trade facilitation and anti-corruption practices. It will be co-signed in June by Taiwan's representative to the U.S. and the AIT, the de facto American embassy in Taiwan. The agreement is seen as an important step for Taiwan to reach a free trade agreement with the U.S. and a boost for its bid to join the CPTPP. Taiwan and the U.S. have concluded the first phase of negotiations of the U.S.-Taiwan Initiative on 21st Century Trade. The first agreement under the initiative contains 81 articles and is expected to be signed in June by Taiwan's de facto ambassador to Washington, Shelby Kim, and the AIT. It is dubbed as the most comprehensive trade agreement since the U.S. severed diplomatic ties with Taiwan in 1979. The U.S. and Taiwan previously had TIFA, but it was just a platform for cooperation. It wasn't an official agreement or text. Writing a legal text on Taiwan-U.S. cooperation will absolutely provide a boost. There are many parts of the CPTPP that can be linked to the articles discussed between Taiwan and the U.S. at this time. The trade pact covers five key areas customs management and trade facilitation, regulatory practices, domestic regulations and services, small and medium enterprises, and anti-corruption efforts. Experts say implementing an electronic customs system could benefit businesses by reducing time costs. Business owners say they look forward to measures that boost bilateral investment in small and medium enterprises. It can also be used as a standard for trade cooperation initiatives in the Indo-Pacific. The first time will cover more ground. We didn't have such an opportunity. Now everyone is opening their doors to everyone else and we'll be seeing all sorts of diversified projects. The trade pact is an important first step to signing a free trade agreement with the U.S. and toward Taiwan's membership in the CPTPP. This will further strengthen Taiwan-U.S. cooperation. We are extremely pleased that Taiwan and the U.S. were able to conclude meetings on five key issues so fast. The next step is to sign an FTA with the U.S. This will be very helpful toward international relations and interactions. It can also speed up the process of signing trade agreements with other countries. It's an extremely important formal agreement. Another seven trade areas are scheduled to be negotiated before the end of the year. The U.S.-Taiwan Initiative on 21st Century Trade is hoped to tighten trade ties between the two sides and become a springboard for Taiwan commerce to expand internationally. The World Health Assembly is set to convene in Geneva this coming Sunday, and as has been the case in recent years, Taiwan has not received an invitation to take part. One governmental and three NGO delegations are converging on the Swiss city to highlight the importance of Taiwan's representation. The government delegation is led by Health Minister Xue Rei Yuan. Local Taiwanese business people are also gearing up for a series of activities in the city. Led by physician Zhang Guanyu, 30 students here are setting off for Geneva. 
Their schedules were packed, but they won't be going inside the meeting venue. Instead, they'll be outside speaking out for Taiwan. All Taiwanese groups will gather at the WHA site starting at 2 p.m. Various NGOs, including a WHO advocacy group created by the Taiwan United Nations Alliance, will gather there to lend support to the cause. A total of four Taiwanese groups are heading or have already set off for Switzerland. The student delegation was the first to arrive. On Thursday, it was followed by a WHO advocacy group that includes new Taipei City Councillor Chen Naiyu and Dr Wu Xindai. That same day, there was also a group from the Foundation of Medical Professionals Alliance. Finally, an official delegation headed by Health Minister She Reiyuan set off on Friday evening. As soon as it arrives, it will launch a demonstration to protest Taiwan's exclusion with Taiwanese business groups. Taiwan, go, 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 let Taiwan help! Taiwanese pop artist Ju Topi has already been seen in the area doing a warm-up with Swiss-based Taiwanese business people. Jin Kruzer-Sier, who heads a Taiwanese business association in Switzerland, has plans for a series of side activities during the WHA meet. One of them is a hand-holding singing event with artists including Jutol P and hockey and rock band The Chairman. This isn't a contest, it's cooperation. We will cooperate with one mind to promote our entry into the WHA as an observer. There is a great opportunity this year. At least we in Taiwan have the opportunity to go to the WHA to express our position. The WHA will begin on May 21st, and Taiwan so far has not received an invitation. The AIT has released a joint press release with seven other nations in support of Taiwan's participation in the WHA with observer status. With three and a half years of the pandemic, we have proved that our public health systems and medical systems have enough abilities and energy to make a contribution to the world. They are not taking into account the global pursuit of well-being and public health. They are being manipulated by China behind the scenes. That's what should be condemned. Taiwan's government and NGOs are all mobilizing to support Taiwan's bid to take part in the WHA. Former UK Prime Minister Liz Truss met with President Tsai Ing-wen Friday at the presidential office where Tsai thanked Truss for her support for Taiwan that began during her tenure as Britain's Foreign Secretary. Truss, for her part, said Taiwan was helping to power much of the global economy, and it was clear for the UK that peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait needed to be ensured, along with Taiwan's self-defense capabilities. President Tsai Ing-wen on Friday met UK Prime Minister Liz Truss. The two shook hands and exchanged pleasantries in their much-anticipated first meeting. 
During her tenure as Foreign Secretary, Ms Truss encouraged the G7 and NATO to publicly emphasise on multiple occasions the importance of maintaining peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. I want to acknowledge and thank the UK for elevating the Taiwan Strait issue from a regional to a global matter. Thank you very much, President Tsai, for welcoming me here. And it's even more impressive that you have managed to achieve this under your brave leadership, despite the fact that there has been intimidating efforts by the People's Republic of China. It's no understatement to say that Taiwan powers the modern world. Trust praised Taiwan's leadership in key global industries. She also underscored that it is necessary for democracies to work together to counter the expansion of authoritarianism. She said that the UK and other democracies should cooperate more closely with Taiwan on economic issues. And the UK is very clear that we need to maintain peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. I'm very clear that we have to make sure Taiwan is able to defend itself. I want to see the development of an economic NATO where countries that are like-minded and support freedom and democracy work together economically to challenge coercion by authoritarian regimes. I believe that by acting in solidarity, democracies around the globe will make one another stronger. This will allow us to extend and broaden the reach of our values of freedom and democracy. And Tsai is not the only top official that Truss met with during her five-day stay. On Thursday, Truss met with Vice President Lai Tingde. She also had time to try out local cuisine touring Ningxia Night Market in Taipei. With her visit to Taiwan, Truss is showing the world why she is one of the world's biggest Taiwan supporters. Top U.S. administration officials testified Tuesday on Capitol Hill about how President Biden's new budget request is expected to shape U.S. competition with China. Voice of America's Pentagon correspondent Carla Babb has the details. We find ourselves today at a real turning point. Lawmakers and top cabinet officials discussed whether the Biden administration's latest budget will allow the U.S. to compete with China or fall behind. Today, China has the world's largest navy, the world's largest army, and the world's largest economy by purchasing power parity. Beijing has said it wants to use this growing power to control the island of Taiwan by force if necessary. 50% of world trade travels through the Taiwan Strait, and Taiwan manufactures more than 70% of the world's semiconductors the foundation for computers. If there were to be a crisis as a result of unilateral action uh, taken by China with regard to Taiwan, we would have a a global economic uh, crisis on our hands that country after country would be affected by. Officials say the U.S. remains committed to Taiwan, with a massive military aid package for the Democratic Island expected soon. And Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin warned that if Congress fails to pass a U.S. budget on time, U.S. interest would suffer. It will delay our ability to um, get the critical munitions that we need uh, for ourselves and also to support our allies and partners as well. But Republican Senator Lindsey Graham criticized the administration for trying to pin U.S. shortcomings vis-a-vis China on Congress. This idea that we have a strong China policy is a bunch of crap. It's not the budget will deter China, it's our will to take on people like China. 
Republicans argue that Biden's budget fails to fund new ships the U.S. Navy says it needs to deter China. And they criticize the president's refusal to declare Russia a state sponsor of terrorism over its war in Ukraine, which senators on both sides of the aisle say would send a strong message, while Beijing reportedly weighs sending military aid to Moscow. Carla Babb, VOA News, Washington. With eight months to go until the presidential election, international media are taking note of Taiwan's presidential candidates, especially their position on cross-strait relations. But one candidate that has befuddled reporters is Hoyo Yi, whom the KMT just nominated two days ago. The New York Times describes Ho as a moderate with a blank slate on China. Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal has described him as a figure with broad appeal but nebulous views on Beijing. It says that his lack of experience with geopolitics and dealing with China and the U.S. could negatively affect his campaign. In addition, the new Taipei mayor has avoided expressing his stance on cross-strait relations, which, as in previous presidential elections, are at the core of candidates' platforms. China's Taiwan Affairs Office announced Friday the lifting of a travel ban on Taiwanese tour groups to China, effective immediately. However, regulations on the Taiwan side still do not allow for the resumption of travel groups to China. Tourism Bureau head Zhang Xichong says meetings will be held soon on the matter. Let's hear from him. The resumption has to be reciprocal, with travelers flowing in both directions and starting at the same time. We look forward to holding meetings to discuss the resumption of tourism quickly. Of course we're happy about the news. I guess it will all restart in late June or early July. Taiwan's Mainland Affairs Council says many issues have to be addressed before the resumption of cross-strait group travel and that an announcement from China is not enough. Travel agents are urging the government to lift the ban before the end of June so as to have time to offer itineraries for the summer vacation. Vice President Lai Qingde visited Xinjiu's Baoshan Second Reservoir Friday morning to inspect its water supply. Coincidentally, it had rained heavily the night before, causing flooding in many of the nearby areas. Lai thanked Xinjiu's mayor and county commissioner for dealing with the flooding. He also stressed the importance of having a steady water supply for the Xinjiu-based semiconductor industry. He noted that nearly 2.8 billion NT has been invested in a pipeline that will connect Taoyuan's Shimen Reservoir to Xinju. Following a night of heavy rains, Vice President Lai Qingde came on a trip to Xinju to inspect its second Baoshan Reservoir. He thanked the mayor of Xinju City, the TPP's Gao Hongan, and Xinju County Commissioner, the KMT's Yang Wenke, for their management of severe flooding. Taiwan in the future may be facing a situation where dry spells are drier than ever and wet spells are wetter than ever. We may be able to just complete our drought relief work and immediately launch into flood prevention engineering. 
So actually, this is full of challenges. If the pipeline between Xinzhou and Taoyuan is not completed early, there will be no water in the second Baoshan Reservoir and no water for Greater Xinzhou. That would definitely strike a blow at our technology industries. And if our tech industry is impacted, that would affect the whole world. All counties and cities need to work hard to restore operations. They should have combat-ready water wells. Lai pointed to the importance of the second Baoshan Reservoir to water usage in the Shinju Science Park. He added that close to 2.8 billion NT has been invested in a pipe to connect Sherman Reservoir with Shinju. What is most important is that with the areas earmarked for development in Xinjiang's technology industries, the first priority should be water, and the second is the problem of electricity. We also need to think about this problem. It's a really big one. If companies start using two nanometer processors to make chips in the future, water consumption could actually reach a daily 95,000 to 98,000 tons. If we add on daily demand for water in Xinzhou, Xinzhou city and county, the combined total would be 550,000 tons. So it's actually really necessary to make preparations for the future. The two Xinzhou leaders used the opportunity to appeal to the central government and express their hopes for even more subsidies to ensure a stable water supply for Xinzhou and its high-tech industry. In a boost for Taiwan's water-deprived reservoirs, another plum rain front has brought plenty of precipitation to northern Taiwan. According to the Central Weather Bureau, Xingfeng Township in Xinzhou saw the highest accumulated rainfall in the morning with more than 300 millimeters. Flooding was also reported in parts of Xinzhou and Miaoli, and there were reports of power outages in Taoyuan. In the afternoon, the weather front swept southward. According to estimates from the Water Resources Agency, as of 4 p.m. on Friday, Taiwan's reservoirs had received nearly 18 million tons of water. Reservoirs in central Taiwan got the lion's share with an estimated 11.35 million tons. Over in the north, Shiman Reservoir and Feichui Reservoir received a combined 6.3 million tons of rain. Reservoirs in the south, where the drought has affected the most, just gained about 300,000 tons of water. And now we meet a young athlete who is rising from adversity with courage. Qin Qi'en was a talented baseball pitcher with his whole life ahead of him, when in 2021 an accident left him paralyzed from the waist down. After two years of rehab, Qin now has fresh hope that he might play baseball again. Although walking is still a challenge, eight months of stem cell therapy are paying off. He is living more independently and using sports rehab techniques to recover his mobility. Qin Qi'en uses a leg brace and zimmer frame to walk slowly along. His steps are small, but they represent a giant leap on his road to rehabilitation. I felt very frustrated when I first got injured. I didn't know what to do. I'd been working hard at baseball for so long after all. And then I was just sitting in the chair and didn't know what I could do. My family were most important in keeping me going because they never abandoned me and I can't abandon myself. A baseball lover since childhood, Qing was picked for the Chinese Taipei baseball team and continued playing in college. His biggest dream was to become a master pitcher. 
but in 2021, a traffic accident left him paralyzed from the waist down, cutting short his dreams of professional athleticism. At first, most of my spinal cord was damaged and I had to use a catheter just to hang on to life. But after the stem cell treatments, I can feel when I need to go to the toilet and I can handle it myself. So it's very convenient when I leave the house now. Qing clung to life with the support of his medical team. Since receiving bone marrow mesenchymal stem cell therapy, he can live independently. Qian is a great athlete. His underhand pitch is amazing. I think that in the future he can join in more rehabilitative sports, such as wheelchair basketball and baseball competitions. In fact, I think it shouldn't be a problem for him to get back on the pitch's mound. Qing has a long way to go to get back on the pitch, but there's hope. He faces the challenges of each new day with courage and good sportsmanship. A couple in Zhanghua have developed a very special relationship with the local bird life. Two years ago, the Wangs were amazed to find a baby sparrow stuck behind their washing machine. They rescued the chick and raised it to adulthood, then they set it free. But the story doesn't end there. As the couple found out, bird parenting is a job for life. The sparrow hops across Mr. Wang's shoulders like a child playing games with its dad. Two years ago, Mr. Wang and his wife saved the life of a sparrow chick that was stuck behind their washing machine. They fed it up on grains and ground nuts. Because they spent so long feeding it from the palm of their hand, they named it nigiri, or hand-pressed sushi. But in the blink of an eye, nigiri was all grown up and needed to be set free. Its adoptive parents didn't realize that nigiri would be back at their windowsill all the time. Our reporter was charmed to watch this magical moment when Mr. Wong stepped out into the courtyard with some banana and mealworm, and nigiri showed up for the picnic. Two years after being saved, Nigiri now has its own little chicks and often takes the Wang's snacks home to the nest. After it learned to fly, we set it free. After a while, it came back of its own accord. We were surprised. We thought, why isn't that bird afraid of us? Then we realized it was the chick we had raised. A small bird will always remember the first thing it sees when it opens its eyes. We call that the ability to imprint. They assume the thing they see is their mother, and they remember it forever. So it's taken the owner as its mummy. This biology expert says that most small bird species imprint like this, learning to recognize the creature they see first. Birds that are raised by hand by humans will often take their adoptive parents as family and come back to visit for the rest of their lives.